Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, for our scripture reading, 2 Timothy chapter 4. And when you get there, let's all stand for the reading of God's Word. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. The Apostle Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Then on a more personal note, he says to Timothy, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable for me, to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. And my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. We'll pause there. Let's bow together in prayer. Our God, we are so grateful that we get to cast all our care on you, that there's no clause in that text uh, that tells us you will only tend to certain things that we cast upon you, but you invite us to cast all our care upon you. We we share, Lord, because we, uh, if we focused on it, we would be overwhelmed with how needy we are and how insufficient we are But Lord, you are sufficient. So things like Ethan, we lift up to you, Ethan Allis, and we pray that you would continue to touch his body. Thank you for putting a hedge around him and protecting his life. Lord, thank you for the miraculous recovery from the initial assessment by the medical community and how you've already uh, answered so many prayers. We just pray for Bill and Jen and, and Ethan's siblings that you administer your comfort to them. And use this for your glory. Father, we pray that you'd give Ethan the encouragement to, to tenaciously uh, work hard to, to mend, to see his body mend. And again, we pray that you would use this for your glory in their lives. Thank you for the Alice family. What a blessing the whole family has been to us. We pray that you would bless them in a mighty way. Lord, we pray for your blessing upon the word. Pray for those that are watching us online that you would meet their needs and and use your word in all of our lives. And again, Lord, may you accept the worship that we give to you today. May it be pleasing in your eyes and in your nostrils as, as you talk about. May it be a pleasant aroma, our worship. So we ask your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Amen. Good to have you here this morning. Is that the first time we did that song, Josh? 
We have. One other time or a few other? Yeah, that's good, man. Especially that second verse, all those verses. That Good stuff. I run to Christ. How perfect for what we're talking about. Uh, you and I, we're talking about people, we're talking about problems. And that's the answer right there. I don't need to preach, we're just saying what you were going to hear, so we'll just conclude early today. <laughs> All right, take your Bibles. I'm kidding, obviously. Turn to, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4, please. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We've been talking about, as I just said, people and problems. First, we talked about people's problems. And man, they do have problems, don't we? We are a, we're a mess. People's problems. Then we talked about people problems, you know, between one another. That's another whole issue right there. You know, when you join a, a local assembly of believers, when God saves people, He adds them to the church. And... Um, that's how he ministers to us. He is growing his church. He's building his church uh, one soul at a time. Uh, so you, you, when you got saved, hopefully God led you to a local assembly of believers where you would be fed and just fulfill and grow in the Lord. A group of imperfect people. And I'm so grateful that God does not require a church to be perfect because the head is perfect. Say, what, pastor? No, pastor's not the head of the church. Jesus Christ is perfect. And so we're talking about problems. We're talking about people. And, we, and, and going back to a conversation I had years ago that I've been thinking through this. That, um, you know, church, being involved in church, which is people that commit to be a part of a group of people, uh, problems, you, you, can't, you can't avoid problems. And I've learned that there's three things that we deal with. Uh, first of all, people's problems. And again, I, we have, uh, in just three decades here, we, I've seen uh, people have problems. You just, sometimes you can't imagine people's problems. Um, there's, we, we were training years ago at the local prison and the chaplain was training uh, those of us who were going to be coming in. And he mentioned one notorious inmate who was a professing born-again believer who had been in and out of prison so many times, he was like noteworthy. I would go to find out that that was someone that came to our church when he wasn't in prison. Now, he is with the Lord now. Uh, but, you know, he had, like so many, he had addiction problems and he was in and out of prison. But you know what? That guy was a blessing. And so many people, as I think of, you know, people we battle, what the world says we battle the de demons, you know. And by the way, so many people that use that phrase don't realize how often the spiritual world is involved in the things that we wrestle with. Sometimes it's just our own flesh. But we battle with problems. And so, you know, we have, we have experienced every kind of problem imaginable. As soon as I say that, I'm going to read that. Something's going to happen this week, and I'm like, well, I never heard of that before. But we've, you know, we've battled with, we've helped people. What a blessing to be a part of a church where you just, you get to walk with people through life. And, and you know, they have their problems. But what a blessing to just be able to walk with them. To be able to encourage them in their walk with the Lord. That is such a blessing. So people's problems 
really are not too much because God is sufficient. And then there's people problems that can be a little more difficult. You know, little squabbles we have within, you know, when, when, especially when we don't biblically follow through with having problems with one another. It can get complicated. That can be a little more tricky, but you know what? It's still not. Not, not in any way uh, something that would lead me to want to quit being a pastor. But this third category, that's the challenge. It's not people's problems. It's not people problems. It's problem people. See, sometimes people, sometimes people, we all have problems. Sometimes people refuse to acknowledge their problems. They'll just, oh, that's not a problem, you know. And so people can be problems. And we're going today to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul is, it's the last letter he would write before he was martyred for the faith. And so he's writing this last letter. His, he's closing up the epistle, Second Timothy, the epistle to Timothy. He says, I'm now ready to be offered my departure. He knew he was going to be dead very soon. And so this becomes very special because he's sharing some final thoughts with this man that has become so precious to him. And you know what we read in this last chapter, these last, this last part? Of Second Timothy, it's all about people. It's all about people, and we see, as Paul bears his heart, he talks about people. He talks about Timothy himself, who had become very, very special to him, and so that's we're going to begin by looking at verse nine, uh, and then that goes into he just talks about people. And we learn a little bit about Paul, about problem people. So let me give you the outline, and then we'll just jump right in. Number one, problem people make you appreciate everyone else. That's verse uh, 9. And then verse 10 through 16, problem people will be identified. They will be identified, and, and you need to do that. And then finally, verses 17 through 18, problem people have a purpose. And, and I mean by that more than just, okay, you, you have a problem person, so now you appreciate everyone else. No, God actually has those people in our lives for a reason. And by the way, when I think, we've been here almost three decades this June, and I'm so grateful that so many precious people have walked through our doors. Many of them have moved on to different places and so many blessings. But you know, as far as all the people that have been part of this church, there's really not that many that were problem people. Very, very few. Which is a blessing. Very, very few. So let's jump in. First of all, problem people make you appreciate everyone else. Paul is writing, in fact, he's exhorting Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, his son in the faith. He says in verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the, the quick, the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant. Earnest, persistent is the idea. Be instant. In season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, 
exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. These are his final words. He's trying to encourage Timothy. Timothy, stay in ministry. Because, in fact, it's more necessary. I'm going to be leaving. And the time of my departure is at hand, but things are not going to get better. Things are going to get worse. Verse 3, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They're going to heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. You, it, the phrase ear tickling is, is where this comes from. The idea is to scratch or make your ear feel good. And it has to do with hearing the word. There's going to be a bunch of people who will heap to themselves teachers and their motivation is they want to have their ears tickled. Tell me something that feels good. That's the idea. And that's to this day. There's people that don't have time to hear preaching. They want to they be entertained. They want to feel good. Um, and so you'll get people, that preachers that smile a lot, and they get a lot of people. Everybody wants to feel good. And Paul said, Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word. And then he says in verse 5, Watch thou in all things endure afflictions, saying it's not going to be easy when you're dealing with people. Do the work of the evangelist. He says, for I'm now ready to be offered. Verse 7, I fought a good fight. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Verse 8. And then we get to verse 9. And he's going to wrap it up. He's going to talk about people. Specifically, the people that influenced him and had the biggest impact. Some good, some bad. And it's, it's really this text... 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 22 is a very telling picture as Paul just throws all these names in. Each one of these people, one way or another, made a big impact on Paul's life. Some of them, like the first one, he's talking to Timothy. He's... he's Lonely, and he says this, again in verse 9, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Paul cared about Timothy so much. And this is where, you know, he's going to mention some really bad people. I mean, Demas just forsook him. Um, Alexander the coppersmith, you would not want to be him. I'm sure when he was on this earth 2,000 years ago, he had no idea that he'd be so notorious. Now he's just a coppersmith. Maybe he was a very good coppersmith. Knew his trade very well. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he made friends and he definitely influenced people. But he would go down in history as being the man that Paul wrote about that caused him so much grief. Wow. But back to Timothy. People were so important to Paul, some of them so special to him, that he wanted, he needed them there. I made a statement in this series, and, and it's from many, many years ago. I made this statement, I'll never forget it. I think a couple of people commented to me uh, that it meant a lot. It would help me at the time, and, and here's what I said. I said, people can't let you down if they're not holding you up. Wow, that's, ooh, I heard somebody go, ooh, that's a good statement, isn't it? I thought it was good. I thought it was pretty profound, you know, and it's true. 
And you know what? There's a lot in Scripture that bears that out. In fact, uh, I quoted um, quoted some Scriptures. Several times in the book of Psalms, it tells us that God is the one who upholds us. Other times, the Bible says, Cursed is the man that trusteth in man, that makes flesh his arm. So there's definitely a place where, you know what? If the Lord's upholding us, then people aren't going to let us down. But, there is a flip side to that. You see, you can run with that statement so far to give you the impression that people don't affect me. Just me and Jesus. The Lord keeps me. I don't care. God's going to uphold me no matter what. But don't get the impression, folks, that people can't affect you. Because they can. In fact, the the verse in Ephesians chapter 2 and then Ephesians chapter 4 about the church being a body of parts. In chapter 2, it's uh, the picture of a house, a building, with all the different parts, the materials. And in chapter 4, it's the body with all the different parts of the body, how they are fitly joined together. That's a picture of the church. And you cannot get away from the fact that if God is, as He is building His church, He is going to use parts, individual parts, that work together, fitly joined together, to grow up to the church. That's what God is doing. He is using people in your life. By the way, people that forsake the assembling of themselves together, which, by the way, in Hebrews is a big no-no, There's a reason for that. God has designed that you and I feed off of one another, that we get supply and encouragement from one another. And by the way, if you allow people's problems, even if you allow problem people to drive you away from the body of Christ, you're forsaking the very thing that God uses to grow you. So here's this man, Timothy. And I read a quote a week or two ago from George Washington, and I love this quote. He talked about how um, friendship, true friendship is a plant of slow growth. He said, um, and it must undergo and withstand the shocks of adversity before it is entitled to be a true friendship. And you know what? God does that in the church. He does that in the church. And Paul knew Timothy so intimately that he ended up rising to the top and being such a blessing to Paul. In fact, uh, this was written in about 63 to 65 AD, this, this epistle, 2 Second Timothy. Paul would write to the believers in, in uh, Philippi in about 1962, so a, year, a few years before, maybe a year before, he would write to the church in Philippi, and recommend and talk about Timothy. Listen to what he said in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 19. He said, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus, Timothy, shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. So Timothy was going to come. He was sending him. And listen to what Paul said about Timothy. This is why he was so valuable. He said, For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. There was something about Timothy that was very unusual. 
In fact, he would go on. He said, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. In other words, he's saying, you know, so many people are self-motivated, self-interested. You know, they're only in whatever they're doing, whatever they do, whatever they say. It's only for what they can get out of it. Paul had learned that Timothy was totally different. He said, you know the proof of him. That as a son with the Father, he hath served me in the gospel. By the way, anyone that serves Jesus Christ, anyone serves in the gospel, is putting themselves on the front line. You will not last long in ministry if you're, if you're in it for the wrong motives. It will refine you. You will be betrayed. You'll, and because, because of the, what George Washington was saying, you know, this plant of slow growth, because of all the people, that the, the, the hardships, it makes those that are faithful all the more special. Remember the proverb that says, Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. That verse is not saying, okay, don't trust people. <laughs> you're, you're, it's like having a broken tooth. Don't do it. No, he's not saying that. He's just saying that as you have relationships... The ones that you can rely on become very special, probably because of the ones that you can't become such a disappointment. And I think that's why this, what, what comes out here in chapter 4, comes out. That's why Timothy was so precious. Paul, and, and that's why he said in Philippians 2, you know what? All men seek their own, not the things of Jesus Christ, not Timothy. You know the proof of him. There's, it's a George Washington quote, you know. It was a plan of slow growth. It took Paul a long time to learn who Timothy's character was to the point where he would trust him. And now, he had a big mission to find out what's going on in the church of Philippi. And he had just the man for the mission, Timothy. Because he had been tried and proved. By the way, that's a a concept that carries on in the New Testament church. In fact, in um, Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 10... Paul tells the church, as far as picking leaders, deacons, someone to serve, not anybody could be a deacon. Not anybody was equipped to serve automatically in a church. He said, let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. You know, we've never had someone come in on a Sunday, and I said, wow, look at the way that guy's dressed. We've got to make him a deacon. He just look at him and he just screams deacon. No. We've had people here for a long time that we've been able to observe. And they've they've been tested. They've had things happen and we've seen how they respond. And those are the people that become very precious. That was Timothy. Timothy was someone that I think Paul appreciated him more because of the other people that had let him down. He's going to mention some of them. And um, that's interesting. What what an amazing thing. So we go to verse 10. After he tells Timothy, I need you here. I need you here. So again, by the way, that statement. You know, people, people can't let you down if they're not holding you up. All right, there's a point to that. But that becomes even more so when, and, and you've got to, remember this whole idea, the, the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth? 
that's screaming that, you know what, church, you need to rely on one another. I have learned. I, I made that statement probably over two decades ago. And it was so, now that I look at it, I feel so pious. Like, what do I, who do I think I was? People will not let you down if people are not holding you up. Oh, that's real nice. But where the rubber meets the road, folks, we need people. We need one another. And when you do that, you risk being hurt. You risk being let down. So what do you do? Oh, just forsake the church. That's what so many do. That's the natural thing. It is natural. I don't need this church. I just And by the way, any church you're going to go, go, there's going to be people that are going to hurt you and they're going to let you down. So if you're hopping around looking for the best church, stop. Look for a faithful church. And by the way, a faithful church is one that honors the perfect head, Jesus Christ. They're not perfect, but they're all growing together. And that's part of we need one another. So while yes, it's true, people aren't going to let you down if people aren't holding you up. But honestly... There are times when we need to hold one another up. There are times when we need one another. And there will be times like this in Paul's life where he needed Timothy. Do thy diligence. Please come to me. And in fact, if you look again at verse 9, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, verse 10, for, he's saying, Timothy, I need you here. Because, then he mentions people. Timothy, let me tell you why I need you here. One of the other co-laborers, Demas, you know the guy that was with us traveling? He has forsaken me, having loved it. It gets very personal. See, when you get let down by others, that broken tooth and the foot out of joint, it can make you bitter that's not what God intends for it. Now, the devil might intend. The devil, def, devil definitely wants to get Christians bitter, doesn't he? He's going to allow people to hurt you so you get resentful. You know, somebody that has forsaken the assembly of themselves together, someone that forsakes church has usually failed to realize how God uses people. And what even the people, remember, you, intend, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. God is growing us. So, number one, problem people make you appreciate everyone else. But problem people also, they've got, they will be marked. They will be marked. And that's exactly what Paul does. In fact, he even writes there, listen a couple verses. For example, Paul in Romans chapter 16, verse 17, he says, now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine, teaching, that you have, which you've learned of, which you've learned, and avoid them. What? Paul said you're, you're going to need to mark people because there are some people that are divisive, that actually harm sound doctrine, and you need to avoid them. Wow. Listen to what he said in, in uh, Philippians 3.17. He said, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them over and over again. By the way, not only is he challenging us to mark certain people, 
they'll be marked whether we mark them or not. Problem people get identified very quickly. And Paul says, mark them um, which walk so as you have us for an end sample, an example. So Paul's going to do some marking. He's going he's to identify people that some of them he's even warning Timothy, like Alexander. He's, he's saying, you know, here's, here's someone that did me much evil and you need to be aware of him also. And some of this is just tragic. I said Alexander, but how about Demas? Can you imagine being Demas? Oh, here's another one, Mark. Mark, it's interesting we're talking about marking them, and Mark was marked. Uh, Mark was the one where he had, remember, there was a, um, between him and Barnabas, uh, there was a, a problem that, um, in fact, it had to do with this young disciple named Mark that, that um, didn't go with him on all of his journeys, and the contention grew so great between I believe it was Paul and Silas or Paul and Barnabas that they split ways. Remember that? And um, well now, he's writing now and apparently he realizes Mark. In fact, he says, this is such a tender thing. He says um, about Mark. Take Mark, verse 11. Take Mark and bring him with thee for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Wow, that's so tender. Mark, initially Paul didn't want to, he didn't even want him traveling with him. But now, he said he's profitable. What a a tender thing. And by the way, that shows you that Paul was a forgiving person, right? You can't be in ministry and not be a forgiving person, folks. That's why so many people have forsaken church. They're just stewing. And God wanted to grow them through that conflict. So now he writes about Demas. He hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and he departed unto Thessalonica. Cretans, another idea is he departed too. Titus left for Dalmatia. Not all of these have a negative connotation. He's just saying that people have left for various reasons, some of them not good, but boy, he really needed some encouragement. Now we could get all hyper-spiritual and say, well, Paul, you really should just pray because God is your strength. Just you and the Lord, Paul. Come on. And he, he did. In fact, he's going to say some things at the end of this statement that shows us that his ultimate trust was in the Lord. But boy, he really needed some encouragement from people. And that's why he, that's why he told Timothy, I, I need you here. I really need you here. Verse 12, Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. And then he says, Alexander. The, look at verse 14. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. There is a term that sociologists use to describe problem people. And it's a term that you don't ever want to be put to your name. I believe it's a pretty good term. In fact, as I look at this with Paul, uh, it wasn't a term that was used in Paul's day, but it certainly, uh, I think he would have embraced it. What's the term that people use for problem people? Here's the word. And it actually goes back to a root term that's very biblical. has to do with a poison arrow or poison bow. Bow and arrow, you know, the the poison darts. And it's the word, the the word came from Latin, French, goes all the way back. and, And it's the word toxic. Toxic people. 
You ever heard of that? Have you ever known people that were toxic people? And, and I think honestly, of, of this list, Timothy, not toxic. Timothy was just the opposite. He was beneficial. He was necessary. Demas, Alexander, yes. Alexander the coppersmith was a toxic person. Toxic, again, the root word is poison. And, and that describes, folks, there are relationships that are very poisonous. That's why we have to mark them. And they will be marked. You know, somebody that is a problem person is going to, people are going to know them right away. They're people, other people that become a problem. It is amazing. Um, listen, in fact, listen to the Spurgeon quote to, in his morning and evening devotions. He said, because he's talking about the attacks that come on Christianity, but they're not the big attacks. Listen to what he said. Ah, poor religion. Thou hast been sorely shot at by cruel foes. Shot out, we're talking about bows and arrows here. And so the church, God's people, religion has been shot at by cruel foes. But, he says, thou hast not been wounded one half so dangerously by, by thy foes as by thy friends. Who made those wounds in the fair hand of godliness? The professor who used the dagger of hypocrisy. This goes back to Proverbs 26, what we were looking at the last two weeks. The man who with pretenses enters the fold, being naught but a wolf in sheep's clothing, worries the flock more than the lion outside. There is no weapon half so deadly as a Judas's kiss. Inconsistent professors injure the gospel more than the sneering critic or the infidel. Whoa. I find that true. Again, I mentioned to you 30 years, just a handful of people, but I have learned more than I realized that those few people, and they're not always the ones that you, you know, they're not always ones that everyone would think that was a problem person. You might be surprised, but it's, the, it's those few problem people that have affected me the most. I've come to realize. Uh, and, and that's why I think when I read this with Paul, and a lot of times people become a problem because of their communication. So I Proverbs 26, you might remember that, the words of a talebearer, and he that hateth dissembleth with his lips. In other words, he covers his hatred. All of that that we looked at. But I remember, I've shared this before, I remember a lady when we started the church came she was an older lady who had incredible talents uh, and was used in many ways because she knew the scriptures <coughs> since a child and, and she served. And, and yet she couldn't control her tongue. And I remember when she first came, I was new to this area and she had come uh, from another church in the area that I knew was a gospel preaching church. In fact, that pastor is still there preaching the gospel. And uh, she had nothing nice to say about this guy. I mean, she was slamming him up and down. And I remember, here I am, I'm a greenhorn. I'm like, I didn't know this guy. And I'm thinking, well, it's not me she's talking about. So, 
well, it's a shame there's so many bad pastors out there, you know. And um, the more I got to know her, see, she comes to church. She's talk, she got this pastor in her past that was really bad. And I took her word for it. But then the more I got to know her, the more differently I looked at him. And over the years, it, be, it began to dawn on me, you know what? I like that pastor. Before I even met him, I'm like, that guy is a great guy. Because of how her character, and I've said this before, sometimes the best advertisement you can have is a problem person bad-mouthing you. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Sometimes that can be your best advertisement because everyone else is hearing this person and they're already marked. Like, for example, let's say Alexander the coppersmith. Let's say he, and, and clearly, in fact, let's, let's real quickly jump in. Our time's slipping away here. Verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou aware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. I wondered for many years, what, what was it that Alexander the coppersmith did that was so evil? He didn't, I don't think he caused physical harm to Paul. Because Jesus said, fear not them which kill the body, but can't kill the soul. I'm convinced more and more. And, it's, and, and by these words, it is clear that the most precious thing to Paul was his influence, spiritual influence in the lives of the people under his care. No doubt about it. In fact, he would even write, for, I, I would rather depart and be with Christ. But I'm in a straight betwixt too. I have a desire to part and be with Christ, which is far better. Yet, he said, to be here in the flesh and minister to you is more needful. So that was the most important thing to Paul, was his influence in the lives of others. And guess who affected that? Alexander the coppersmith. His words undermined Paul's influence in people's lives. And when I think back over the years, um, that, is, that has been true. Now, because our time's slipping away and I've got so much I want to say, um, and then next week is we're going to go into the Easter theme and, and Palm Sunday. Uh, we are going to, I've always talked about doing a follow-up message to, I preached a message years ago called Manipulative People. And this is going to segue, uh, I've always wanted to do a follow-up, because I've come to realize that, that manipulative people are toxic people. And there's so many things that we're going to, we're going to go off. I'm going to pick, pick up with this after the uh, resurrection season, and we will, um, we will go into it more. But I want to close by, look at verse 17. Problem people will make you appreciate everyone else. Number two, problem people will be marked. Verses 10 through 16. And then problem people have a purpose. I want to make sure we end here. Verse 17, Paul, is, he's really he's talking about how people have affected him, some good, some bad. And then he, he closes with this amazing statement in verse 17. He said, notwithstanding. In other words, he's already been talking about how people have let him down. And you and I have all experienced that to some degree, haven't we? Be careful that you don't sing that tune too long. Seriously. And it's so easy. It's one of those like jingles. We were on our way to church this morning and my wife and I were talking about it. She had a jingle in her head. I had a song that I had just heard 
from the old days, and, and wouldn't you know it, music is so it's there. And um, remember the 1-800, what is it? Cars for kids, you know that one? I've, I've heard that, it's in my mind. Well, you know, be careful that you don't sing, that you don't dwell, and I'm preaching to myself here, that you don't dwell on the Alexander the Coppersmiths and the Demises. What you're doing is you're looking in the rearview mirror. I love that picture. Because I do it all the time. I, I, you know, that, by the way, what a tragic... Have you, do you read about the pileup on Route 81? Was it just Monday? This Monday or the past Monday? In a matter of seconds, six people died. And what a tragedy. Uh, and I was thinking of the rearview mirror. I love looking in the rearview mirror. I don't really. I hate it. But I do it. I'm so grateful for a wife that probably tells me once a week, stop looking in the rearview mirror. I'm not doing that. I am doing that. Do you do that? Do you struggle with that like I do? Well, here, Paul is like, it's like he's looking in the rearview mirror. Oh, yep, there's Demas. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's Alexander the coppersmith. And then he said, notwithstanding, he says, get Stop looking in the rearview mirror. And he said, notwithstanding or nevertheless, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So here's the point I'll end with right now. There will be toxic people in your life. Don't be one. Do not be a toxic person. Be teachable. But, I go back to this truth the Lord's been driving home. We cannot change people. Anyone. But here's how we influence them. By changing ourselves so that their destructive, toxic patterns do not affect us anymore. That's good, isn't it? So easy to say. You could come up here and say it too. So easy to say. To do, not so much. But you know what I'm telling you, Paul, Paul, he he had all these toxic people in his life. And I imagine if he sang that song, if chapter 4, the verses that I just read about Alexander, if that was like um, five chapters, he probably would have ended the thing with, I'm done, goodbye, I quit. You know, that would be, I can't imagine Paul's, one of Paul's epistles saying, I quit, that's it, last letter you get from me. But he could have if he had dwelt on it too long. But look how he closed, that's how we'll close today, again, He said, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known. Folks, God will allow people into your lives, just like Joseph had some really bad siblings, really bad siblings, that were not interested in his... Now, he he did his part to kind of aggravate them, but the bottom line is, They hated their brother so much they they were going to kill him if it weren't for the intervention of one brother. Now, some might look at that and say, he would have done better to kill him because he severed his relationship with his family for years and years and years. 
But I will never forget Joseph's comments in, in Genesis 50. When he finally, the ter- tables turned. And his brothers now realized that this man that had so much power and had been playing along with them was their brother that they betrayed. And their, and their natural response, we're dead. We're dead. We did him wrong. He's going to kill us. And then the profound words out of Joseph's mouth, mouth. He said, don't fear me. Fear not. He says, as for you, you thought evil against me. There's a lot of people that fit that category. They're just not nice people. They're not interested in your best behalf and your best interest. But don't ever forget this. You meant it for evil. But God meant it unto good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we wish that there were no toxic people in the world. That may eliminate some of us. Uh, We're so grateful, Father, that you put people in our lives, you put even put problem people in our lives to grow us. And Lord, if we are problem people to others, uh, we know that your design is to use them so that we are no longer toxic people, so that we grow, so that we receive rebuke, so that we humble ourselves. Thank you, Father, for the body of Christ. Thank you for the, the bunch of imperfect people you put together so that we might edify one another, we might supply one another with the, the uh, energy and the encouragement that we need as we grow up unto a holy temple. And Father, I pray that you would, if you tarry, that you'd give us many more years together as a church, fitly joined together, Lord. Thank you for this body. Help us to value it. Help us to value the friendships that we've made over the years. And we just ask your blessing now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, please take your hymn books out.